0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast. I am Dylan Spilko alongside editors Lauren Roche and Sam Ostry. Maryland men's basketball seemed to be out of the running for any kind of NCAA tournament hopes. But after two straight wins since our last podcast, they're suddenly back on the road to success. They uh, Before this two-game winning streak, they uh, fell to Rutgers and Michigan. The Michigan loss was especially concerning considering they lost by 19. Uh, they only put them 19 points in that first half. It looked like they were pretty much lifeless. But Maryland men's basketball, they're, they're back to it now. They, they faced number 17, Illinois. They came away with a 16-point win, 81-65 to in College Park. No Kofi Coburn in that game. A pretty uh non healthy Andre Curbelo as well aided that win, and then most recently Maryland played Rutgers on the road and defeated them sixty eight to sixty so now Maryland is slowly inching up the big ten standings with an eleven nine record three and six conference record as well after starting one and six in the conference and you know the two game winning streak it may not seem like a lot for Maryland, but how much better has this team looked since that loss to Michigan when you just think about both of these wins together?
1: Remarkably better. I mean, there's no question about it. And a lot of people are like, when you think about what they could have been at the beginning of the season, this is it. But we've seen these last two games. Obviously, without Illinois, um, that's a team, like, I mean, without, against Illinois without Kofi, that's a game at home people thought was winnable, but they're still a good team. I mean, they just knocked off, I believe it was Michigan State the other night without Kofi, too. So that's still a good team. And it was a quality win at home and then uh, they come out against another good Rutgers team, especially at home. I mean, Rutgers is 19-5 in the last 24 in the conference at home, and they went on the road and took care of a good Rutgers team. So, I mean, if this is the team that can consistently play for the rest, like play this way for the rest of the season and get the production from certain players that they're getting, I mean, this is what everyone expected at the beginning of the year and certainly a, a nice sight to see. Yeah, and I think
2: that when you look at some of the – Maryland has only won, Maryland men's basketball has only won um, three games in a row, two other, or two times a season, they haven't done it here, but two times this season, and it hasn't been in conference play yet, and they really haven't been able to string together any sort of momentum in conference play, and to pick up these two wins, which are over relatively tougher opponents, Illinois was favored, et cetera, and to be able to kind of get that done um, really, kind of displayed the potential in action of what this Maryland team was kind of expected to be doing, and I think it shows a lot of potential promise for maybe um, that Michigan loss is kind of a bit of a turning point and was what the team needed to feel finally gel together into what was expected.
0: Yeah, these two wins could be a potentially season-saving two straight victories if, if, if you just look at like the long term. If, if everything goes right for Maryland the rest of the way and they win the, the games that they have to, you look at these two games as kind of that starting point for when Maryland started to get things back on track. And I think the win against Illinois, despite being them, despite being uh, Illinois was a little shorthanded with who was in the roster at the time, I still think that that's a win that you can look to later in the season. and I don't who knows, if Maryland strings together a couple of big road wins, that's a win that you can say that could maybe push them into the the first four or something like that. You never know. But those are big quality wins for Maryland, and obviously uh, going 2-0 over the last two games, uh, especially a road win against Rutgers, they are trending upwards. But first, let's go over that Maryland win over Illinois, which came in College Park. It was the second meeting between both these teams. The first time they met was on January 6th at Illinois, and Coburn was in the lineup that time. Corbella was out in the first meeting. Illinois came away with a 76-64 to win. But this time around, it was, it was a little bit different this time because Maryland won. They won by 16. It was a close game at the end of the first half. It was uh, 37-35. to Maryland led. But you can just see uh, how the, the energy that Maryland was playing with in that half. And it looked just like a complete turnaround from that Michigan game. Uh, Illinois obviously came into the game with No Cockburn, who was dealing uh, with conco- concussion protocol. And it was a semi-healthy Andre Cabello, who Brad Underwood said had a, a fever, I believe, after the game. So he was not at 100% during that game. Illinois op- opened that game as a, a four, three-and-a-half point favorite on the road, which I thought wasn't going to be enough for Maryland to cover initially, which was surprising. And so Maryland stayed with them the whole way, two-point lead at halftime. Maryland outscores Illinois 44-30 in the second half, including an 11-0 run over the final two minutes to seal the upset since Maryland has won that game. Illinois has moved back to the 24th spot, I believe, but just looking at the comparisons between the first time that Maryland faced Illinois in which they lost by 12, what were some of the differences this time around and just compared to the first time, how has Maryland grown since then?
1: Yeah, well, the biggest difference was Dante Scott. I mean, he was on go that entire game. He was phenomenal, obviously 25, Points, Maybe the best game he's played in his entire college career on nine for 12 shooting. He was aggressive in attacking the basket. And that's what we saw in that first matchup against Illinois is that they were struggling to attack the rim when Kofi was on the floor. But when Kofi was out, they they could get to the rim at ease. And that was part of their game plan. And against Illinois the second time around, when Kofi didn't play the entire game, he's out with an injury. We saw Dante get to his spots, whether that was mid post, low post, take a couple dribbles, go with the right hook, whatever it was. And he was knocking down shots on the outside too. Whatever it was, Dante Scott was getting to his spots and scoring at will. And that was because the the lane was open. And and you know, Illinois has other bigs, but they're not Kofi. They're not one of the best bigs in the entire country. So he was getting to the lane at will. Hakeem Hart also had a great game, 10 points, 10 points out of him. You know, he's the unsung hero. He's not talked about a whole lot. But as a whole, their team defense was phenomenal. They were contesting shots, really limiting Illinois to shoot untimely threes and just doing a good job of getting out and contesting them. And so it was it was a great performance for Maryland all around.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, Dante Scott was definitely kind of the difference maker in terms of a player who truly made a difference. He performed relatively well against Illinois. I think the first time he had, um, he I think he put up around 17 points, something like that. Um, but he definitely put together a much more complete performance. And I think what's most telling about this is that Maryland really took advantage of a situation that was in their favor for kind of Illinois to come in without Kofi Coburn playing with um, Andre Cabell not feeling 100%, whatever the case may be, maybe not playing 100%. Um, I'm not so sure that a team earlier, this Maryland team earlier this season, would have been able to capitalize on this. And they did, and they did in a big fashion, and they closed that game out pretty, when you look at the final score, pretty drastically, I guess. And so I think. A big difference here is also that this game seemed to have kind of being after the two back-to-back losses to Rutgers and Michigan, where that Rutgers game, they had that lead. They, I think, probably think that they should have held on to it and won that game. And then to go into Michigan and kind of get, just kind of ran all over, which is essentially what happened, Um, to use this game as a statement, I think was definitely on their brains for themselves to kind of give themselves a little momentum. And I think, you know, Dante came off the bench, had a little bit of extra spark. He had mentioned after the game, he found out he wasn't starting a few days before, probably sat with that a little. And, you know, not that he, I don't think that Danny Manning does it in the sense of like, these players need to earn their spots, but it's more like, you know, kind of just a little extra added encouragement. And we saw for Dante Scott that it definitely did that. And he was able to perform, like Sam said, probably at his highest level he has in his years here.
0: And this, if, this game, if Maryland were to end up losing that, I think we would all be certain that that would probably be the nail in the coffin on any kind of hopes for Maryland in the future. But Dante Scott ended up scoring 25 points on just 12 shots. He made nine of them. Only attempted two threes, so right from the get-go, you could tell that Maryland's plan to attack Illinois was to go, go, go in the paint. And that's exactly what they did, and they ended up with 40 points in the paint at the end of the night. But I think one main storyline, you look at two players and how they performed. And I think that it's really telling about how Maryland has grown so far this season. And if you just look at the stat lines from the Illinois game, from Hakeem Hart and Eric Ayala. Hakeem Hart is, I think now, just full on the 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 option that is replacing Daryl Morcel's old role. Just to be a guy that can fill up the stat sheet and be just about everywhere on the court. And he may not be the primary scorer that uh, Maryland uh, wants him to be. It's not that Maryland wants him to be a primary scorer, but there were times where he was a primary scorer early in the season. He had those explosions of like 20 to 23 points. This time around he ends with 10 points, just four shot attempts, six for six at the line. But he adds a team-high three assists, team-high four steals, and a block. I think that just comes to show that that's the role that Maryland wants to play. Hakeem Harton, he doesn't need to be that primary guy, but he's quietly behind the scenes just getting the job done. I think we really saw it in that game against an, an undermanned Illinois team. And then you look at Eric Ayala, who ended with just nine points on four of 10 shooting. And before that game, it, Ayala was putting up like 17 points per game over the last like eight games or something like that. It just, earlier in the season, If Ayala wasn't scoring 15-plus, Maryland wasn't going to come away with a win. It was just as simple as that. But to come away with a 16-point home win against Illinois when Ayala is only putting up nine, I think it's starting to really show that this team is starting to gel together and other players are beginning to step up. You look at Caduce Wahab's 11 points, Julian Reese chipping in with seven, um, Fats Russell obviously with 15, and then Dante's 25. It all adds up to that 16-point road win. But it's, you know, is this team starting to slowly gel together? I it, It's hard to say that after they started as like a preseason top 25 team, but there really hasn't seemed to be people falling into their roles, really. But now it seems like that's kind of happening.
1: Yeah, I think they are starting to gel together way more than they, they had been before. And, you know, you kind of talk about that. The Big Ten is it's it's a different brand of basketball. It's very physical. It's very tough. And when you get more of those games under your belt, obviously start one and six, the three and six now, you kind of try, you kind of start to like get that feel for it, and people start to come to their own because it's way different than non-conference play. I mean, remarkably different. So it takes some time for people to get the grind going of the Big Ten, and I think you're starting to see them play better. And we'll get to the backcourt of Ayala and and Fats Russell in a minute with their great performance against Rutgers the other night. But I think you're kind of the roles are pretty crisp, pretty crisp for everyone, including the bench, where Julian Reese comes in. He knows what he has to do. Xavier Green comes in. He knows what he has to do, be a great defender, maybe get a couple buckets. Ian Martinez, which I don't know if we're going to get to or not, but he, he's completely fallen out of the rotation, which I think is, is the smart thing, smart thing for Danny Manning to do. And so I think people are, are having more defined roles, and any night it could be a different guy. they're really coming to their own and starting to play much better basketball that people again people expected earlier this year but we really hadn't seen it through two plus months of the season
2: yeah and just to touch upon what you were saying about um Hakeem Hart in particular against Illinois um Danny Manning has touched upon this multiple times this season that whether it was against Rutgers when Ayala and Russell had the games that they had but you don't need everyone to be on there with the t- with the talent that is on this team, especially when it's on display. You don't need everyone to have a really good night in order for this team to win, and or a really good night offensively, that is. And I think with at Illinois, I mean, Hakeem Hart, his biggest contributions on the court this season really seem to be defensively, and that is so valuable for this Maryland team. The way that he has improved defensively, and I think it's really just it's not even that they, he's not the scorer that they maybe don't, that maybe they want him to be, but they don't really need him to be that kind of scorer. They have, it's clear that they kind of have that power coming from different places, whether that's um, Fats and Eric or whether that's Dante in certain games, but realistically Hakeem's contributions defensively have really helped kind of keep this team um, balanced in that sense. And when you have Xavier Green coming off the bench and kind of, having those spurts, of plays we saw against Northwestern in that game where everyone was playing extended minutes the way that he was able to get a few stops and get that shot clock violation. So I think when you look at just when certain players are playing, having their best nights offensively, the rest of the Maryland team doesn't necessarily have to do that as long as they're fitting together the rest of the pieces. And that kind of is a testament to the talent that was talked about, and I guess the supposed depth that was talked about on this team early on, we haven't really seen much of that depth this season. However, when it's very clear that when somebody in the starting lineup is having a very effective night when it comes to shooting, not everybody has to do the same in order to win, as long as everybody else is playing a role in some manner.
0: And speaking of the starting lineup, I just wanted to ask one thing quickly. I I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that this was the game that Simon Wright started. And last game against Rutgers, Danny Manning went back to the, the usual lineup. Do you think this game against that game against Illinois was probably the last time that we're gonna see some kind of starting lineup shakeup? Because I think I think the team got the message at this point that uh, the tide needs to be turned, you know, the season wasn't going their way, try to shake things up. But then Maryland gets that win against Rutgers when the starting lineup reverts back to normal. The, so the Simon Wrights, the Xavier Greens, the Ian Martinez is in the starting lineup. Do we feel as though that is reached its end?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's over. And who like, I guess they got their message. Who really knows? Like that game Simon Wright started over Dante Scott. That's the game Dante Scott t- scored 25. He came in after like two and a half minutes into the game. Who knows if he would have or wouldn't have? Scored that had a great score 25 and had a great game. So, you can, who knows like what you can attribute that to if it was that message that was sent. But I do think the message need to be sent in some regard. And, and Danny Manning did that by, by benching those guys to start the game. And you know, they really had nothing to lose. Like now they're starting to string some wins together. They could make a little run towards the middle of the pack of the Big Ten. And maybe, maybe it's still very outside chance, but maybe it's some postseason hopes. You know, when they were sitting at one and six in the Big Ten, their season looked completely lost. So there's no point of shaking it up again, because because that's the best five. And, and the other thing is Q, who was struggling too, and Julian had a start over him in that stretch. Q played a great game against Rutgers as well. So I, I think this is the five we're going to see going forward.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I think the only movement that we may see going forward is between Q and Julian. And I only say that because um, Danny Manning had alluded to that after Julian got his start, that the two of them may be flip-flopping a little, but kind of made it seem like um, after that game um, that nothing would necessarily be set in stone in that position. But I do think that Q is really, um, these last two games, putting up uh, 10-plus points in both of those games, grabbing a few rebounds, slowing down on the fouls. He really has kind of cleaned up certain areas that he needed to do, and um, playing with the bigs in the Big Ten is very hard. We've talked about it so many times, but he seemed to tighten things up, and I think kind of looking – not looking too far into Indiana, but against Indiana, he'll have another opportunity to kind of show what he can do. So I don't think there will be much change. I do think that Q will still have more starts going forward than Julian, but I wouldn't be surprised still if occasionally there's a flip-flop here and there.
0: Yeah. I think the only real leeway at this point, after those two experiments is now just the the Q and Julian swap, because it's not like those starting lineup changes really had much of an impact on the game. I, I think both times when the starting lineup was switched, the players who were switched were swapped out within like the first – like just at the first media timeout. So it's not like anything was too drastic there. But, yeah, I agree that the that, that the five is probably the only spot where something is going to get flip-flopped here then between Wahab and Reese. So the last thing that I want to go over with this game – if so, so now that we know that number 10, Michigan State, lost to Illinois without Coburn and without Curbelo, does that does that loss specifically just make this win for Maryland just that much better? And is that, like, could that be the difference maker later in the season if Maryland strings together some wins? Because I'm feeling like it's a pretty big deal that the Spartans are coming away with with a loss against Illinois in that situation, especially because Maryland – beat illinois by 16
1: yeah i mean like the big it's just the big 10 you know like it's big 10 basketball like crazy stuff happens all the time and you're seeing that they're like there's no like everyone thought purdue was the powerhouse and people maybe thought michigan state ohio state illinois with kofi i still think is up there but anyone can beat anyone on any given night and we're gonna see that test for maryland going forward they're gonna have michigan state not not coming up versus Indiana and then Michigan State, so we're gonna we're gonna see that test. You know, Illinois is still a good team without Kofi. That's why it was an impressive win. You know, they they didn't shoot the ball particularly well because Maryland had good defense, but they're still a good team without Kofi. So it's really to me like anything can happen any night in the Big Ten, and we're seeing that play out.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think what's most telling about those two games, Maryland, Illinois, and Illinois, Michigan State, is that really anything can happen, and that can really sway in Maryland's favor later on here if they're picking up steam at the right time. Like, who really knows what can happen? Who knows who's kind of going to be beating each other up, kind of at the top in the middle of the pack, and it's really up to Maryland to capitalize on this position that they're in, where. Um, I can't remember in which game, but um, the one of the games, I believe the broadcasters were talking about how at this point in the season, maybe Maryland can play a little bit of spoiler, but I think now two games forward with these two wins, maybe it's not so much that they can play spoiler, but while other teams are playing spoiler, it kind of gives them an opportunity to kind of move in somewhere to a more, at least a little bit closer to where people may have expected them to end up. But I do think what's most telling is kind of, You know, maybe not how much the Illinois game weighs in the future, but kind of the potential and the opportunity that might be there for Maryland to find a crack somewhere in the Big Ten as they keep playing. If they play well, that is.
0: So the Terps got their second conference win against the Fighting Illini. They now moved out of the, you know, the Big Ten basement of teams that had one or less conference win. Nebraska is now the only team in the Big Ten that has yet to win a conference game. They are 0 and 8. So now Maryland, well, not now. On Tuesday, Maryland beat Rutgers 68 to 60 on the road. Rutgers opened up as three and a half point favorites. It was very similar to that. The spread was against Maryland was similar to the one against uh, Illinois and. This, once again, another rematch for head coach Danny Manning. And now he's 3-0 in rematch games. This was uh, the second time that the Terps have beaten a Big Ten team on the road this season. The first one came against Northwestern double overtime. Uh, with this win against Rutgers, Maryland moved to 3-6 and six in conference play. And now, with an updated Big Ten standings, they are ahead of four teams in the Big Ten. Penn State, Minnesota, Northwestern, and Nebraska are all behind Maryland after this road Rutgers win. So let's talk about this game. Maryland cruised in the first half with 38 points. It looked eerily similar to the one the first time around when Rutgers came away with a 70 to 59 win in College Park. Uh, Ron Harper Jr. exploded in that game, 31 points. But Maryland scored the same amount of points as they did in this half as they did the first time around. Um, what are just and Maryland obviously comes away with the win when all said and done. They pretty much didn't relinquish the lead in the second half, I want to say. But they held the lead for a majority of the second half, which is pretty much unlike what's been the case throughout the season. And they held on for their 11th win of the year. Since it was the last game played, what are some of our initial takeaways from the Terps' third conference win of the year?
1: I think really where you see how far they've come, even in the last like week or two, is that they, it was a very similar score when Maryland played Rutgers the first time at Maryland. And then at halftime, and then Maryland played the second time. It was a very similar score, too. Maryland led by 11 the first time. Second time, I believe they were up by 12. And how they weathered that storm in the second half in this last game, especially on the road when that crowd was ready to explode at any moment, but they couldn't because Maryland weathered every single storm. And it was really on the backs of Fats Russell and Eric Ayala combined for 45, combined for 10 threes, five each. They were phenomenal carrying Maryland. But it really shows how far they've come where where they weren't going to blow that lead. Um, they were gonna take all the punches and respond and, and continue to fight. And so it was incredibly impressive. And we see when this backcourt, what this backcourt is capable of, we see their potential. I mean, the sky was the limit coming into the year and it still is when this backcourt is playing like that.
2: Yeah, I think actually, I don't know if they I don't think they gave up the lead after taking it. I think there was only one lead change in the entire game. And it was when Rutgers was leading very early on in that first half, Maryland took it over. And then from there, they really didn't stop. They went on that 11 row 11-0 run really early on and just kind of like kept it going. And I think for, um, in this game in particular, what's most telling about this is the way that Maryland has now responded to three losses in the big 10 and kind of figured out a way to, you know, change things, whatever that may be. And, Fats Russell I think was talking about it after the game that obviously they want to win the first time they're playing these games but kind of if not if they're not winning the first time like they're not going to you know let people just kind of assume that they're going to win the second time that that's not who they are as people and I think we've seen this team go through a lot this season I mean even just the concept of knowing ahead of the season that there were going to be new pieces to the starting lineup coming from the transfer portal and then going through all the coaches, coaching changes and everything that's happened since like this team has been through a lot. And one thing that nobody can kind of dispute about them is the fight that they have. And I think that, It's so evident how strong that fight is that it really may just end up getting them somewhere, potentially. So, I think when you look for me, the most telling thing about this game is how they were able to adapt after just so shortly before like, what was it, one week, a little bit more than one week earlier. They really were in a very, found themselves in a very similar situation, but on the road. At halftime, and we're just able to explode in that second half, and that was led by you know veteran leadership with um, Eric Ayala and Fats Russell. But on top of it, just like everybody kind of doing their part and fighting throughout the entire game, and I really think that this stat of you know Danny Manning being three and zero in these rematches, this team being three and zero, shows the potential of what can happen kind of going forward.
0: Yeah, and I think I think my main takeaway from it is just the difference in confidence. Among the team, I mean, it's you can see it on the floor, especially considering since even the start of Big Ten play started with Northwestern back in December. But the long stretch of Big Ten play really started with Iowa. And since that Iowa game where Maryland has had these second halves where they've gone really back and forth with just about every team that they faced in the second half, I believe they've held the lead in every single one of these second halves at some point. Uh, even, and then you look at the Wisconsin loss where they, had a, they held the lead in the second half. Northwestern, they blew a six-point lead with 30 seconds left. That can really screw with your confidence as a team. And for Maryland to come out the last two games, and especially against this Rutgers one where they kept slowly inching back. But, I mean, Maryland deflected every kind of comeback attempt. There's just a, a different confidence among the team when you're able to do that on the court, especially on the road. There's, There's got to be no better team and no better feeling than when you're quieting the the opponent crowd when that team already beat you earlier in the season in front of your home crowd. So just the overall confidence to close out that second half is really what stood out to me. And if they can grab a lead in the second half against another some of the Big Ten opponents coming up and they're able to hold it, I mean, that makes all the difference in these kinds of games. So that's just something that I took away from it. Uh, Maryland, you, Lauren, you said it, I think the lead was like 7-4, Rutgers, and then Maryland just ripped off this, this crazy run. They ended up leading 22-9, then 38-26 at halftime, and Fats Russell and Eric Ayala were borderline unconscious from just about every area of the floor. Let's zoom in on Fats Russell for a minute. I mean, he was just lights out from just about everywhere. He was doing his step-back three. He was driving. He was getting the bounces on the rim. He ends up with, uh, I wrote it, 13 first-half points, and he ends with, uh, he ties his season high with 23. What, is it just, was it just that the ball was going in this time around, or was there something else that you guys noticed in his play?
1: I mean, like, we've, we've seen his explosiveness, Explosiveness. We've seen his quickness all year. We know he's capable of getting to the rim, pushing the floor, and transitioning, getting getting to the paint and finding shooters. We know that, but we knew the game too would open up for him so much more. He was knocking down perimeter shots, and he's been very inconsistent offensively, but also from shooting from the outside. So we haven't been able to see that a whole lot. But he was just phenomenal, absolutely unconscious from beyond the arc against Rutgers, and that just led to the game opening up so much more for him. If you have to worry about him shooting set set that step. back threes it's going to create lanes for him to drive to the rim and create open shots for teammates I mean that's when he's at his best so like like it's hard to go if I think it was five or six from three like that's not gonna be an every night thing but if you consistently knock down a couple three-pointers a game I mean that just makes Eric Ayala's life a lot easier for really the entire Maryland team
2: yeah, and I think we saw with Fats Russell also kind of throughout the season and with the coaching change how his position has kind of developed a little bit or his role has kind of developed a bit and how he's perfectly fine being the player who's just kind of like dishing out the ball and being the playmaker. But it's clear, especially in the in this last game, how when he is like when he is not able to necessarily drive to the basket, if he's able to kind of step back just like what you were saying, Sam, and you know, sing it from behind the arc, then it just really shows his versatility as a player and how quick he is and all of that. And I think that if Fats Russell and Eric Ayala are playing at a high level every night, does not mean combining for 42 points every night, but playing at a high level every night, then Maryland is in good hands.
0: Let's take a look at the last four games before that Rutgers game. Fats Russell ended five for eight from three against Rutgers. In the previous four games, here are his stats from beyond the arc. Against Northwestern, he went two for six. Rutgers, in the first matchup, he went 0 for five. Next game against Michigan, 0 for one. Illinois, 0 for two. So there was three games separating Fats Russell from his last made three-pointer. And I think that just really speaks to his experience at the college level, how he's been able to accumulate all these stats over his long career that was at Rhode Island, and then he comes over to Maryland trying into a, a similar scoring role now. It's just the three-pointers to make five of eight in a road game that Maryland desperately needs, it's just – I don't know if it's sustainable moving forward, but it's definitely something that clearly opens up every single facet of this offense. I mean, just about everything changes when Fats Russell's hitting shots. You see the the work in the paint getting a little easier for Caduce Wahab, who also ends with double digits for the second straight game. Eric Ayala, he's starting to get some some loose coverage because there's a lot more ball movement that's uh, going on for Maryland and it's, it's now clicking. And Fats Russell's is a big reason for that. And everything, everything just seemed to click. And I think the real focal point of that success was how Fats Russell performed. And is this kind of how we envisioned that the backcourt would turn out in preseason? Because we were initially under the impression that Fats Russell kind of wanted to go back into that pass first role and to be more of the facilitator and Eric Isle are more of the scorer, but both of them could, I mean, this isn't that bad for Danny Manning if both of them are combining for 45, right?
2: Yeah, no, I would say definitely not a problem at all. And I think that when you look at what Fats Russell's role was earlier on, I think that he was really just doing open to doing anything that would help the team, whatever that was. I think that was his, mindset when he decided to come here from URI and transfer portal so I think that um Fats Russell maybe not being that pass first guard if Maryland doesn't need it it's not a problem at all again I don't think that the two of them will be combining for 42 points every single night but again if both of them just kind of play up to their strengths offensively whether that's you know um Whatever, I guess, the defense is giving them on any given night, but knowing that Fast is kind of able to do it both, whether that is dish it out, facilitate what's going on, and get it out to Iol or whoever else is on the court, or they're both able to do it at the same time in terms of scoring. Either way, I think it seems like maybe the two of them have figured out a good balance in both scenarios, and it'll be interesting to see kind of going forward. Um, if they do go back to more of a past – or if he got, does go back to more of a past-first kind of role in any of these games, how successful they'll be. But I have a feeling that the two of them have kind of worked things out.
0: Yeah, they kind of just seem to feed off each other in the backcourt. And we've, they, there have been some similar performances to this where they lead the team in scoring throughout the season. But just looking at this game overall from a big not, – not really – a two-game picture standpoint. Is this win more important to the team than the win over Illinois? Because I would I would argue that that win over Illinois was a more important win than this Rutgers game, actually.
1: I, I, would, I mean, it's really a toss-up. I would just say just because Kofi was out, we know Illinois can still win, as we've seen, without Kofi. But just because Kofi was out, it kind of felt like Maryland was going to win that game. Rutgers, you weren't so sure. I mean, they were on the road. Like I said earlier, Rutgers is a phenomenal team at home. So that was more of a question mark of a win question mark of how they were gonna perform. But I think both times, um, like I think both wins are big wins. So like, it, you can't say one without the other. I mean, we were not talking about the direction of moving in unless they get both those wins. And it should be noted that they've had three rematches this season um, with big 10 teams. And they've won all three of them, Northwestern in Illinois, and now Rutgers. So that's important too, as, as we move forward and just think about the teams that they're gonna be playing twice
2: yeah I don't think one is more important than the other, but watching that Rutgers game the first time was honestly just so um jarring is the wrong word, but a little bit jarring. I think that just seeing it wasn't totally unexpected based on just how they'd been playing at that point, but for them to give up that kind of lead the first time at home at the half when like there was a, this opportunity for them to kind of like pick up the pace a little bit, um, that was definitely a really more shocking loss to me than kind of that first Illinois loss. So I think them being – the way that they were able to stop Ron Harper Jr. the second time, I think neither is – I agree with Sam, you can't have one without the other in terms of like looking at the future of this team, but I think that Rutgers game, the dominant kind of play and the consistent kind of play that they had definitely is a telltale sign for what could happen.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that I think they're pretty much even wins – and then I saw Michigan State lose to Illinois, obviously, and that changes my opinion. I think that just makes this win look so much better for Maryland. And that if you just when the teams look at like the team resume at the end of the season, and you see a Maryland win against number seventeen Illinois that beats number ten Michigan a week, uh, Michigan State a week later. Uh, I, think it's, I think it comes up as a pretty impressive win for Maryland overall and will, should help them later in the season if they are able to rattle off a good amount of wins. So I think we can just look ahead now to the two games that are coming up for Maryland, and they will be against – they will be at both at home, one against Indiana on the 29th. That's a Saturday. And then on the 1st of February, Maryland will play Michigan State. Both of these teams are near the top of the Big Ten standings, and they both have talented rosters. They both have very talented programs. Which one do you think Maryland is more likely to win? I would assume that Maryland comes in as underdogs in both of these games. But I think they're they're both, I think, going to be within, like, five. I would say it's going to be similar to that Illinois spread when they played them. But which one do you think that Maryland has a greater chance of winning, and if not both?
1: I think um, it's Indiana this Saturday, just because they have that momentum right now. It's another home game, even though Michigan State's also at home. And I just, like, Indiana's good, you know. They They just dominated the Penn State team, and Maryland's better than Penn State. Indiana's good, but I don't think they're as good as Michigan State, and I think they're vulnerable. Um, you know, there's places where you where you can expose them. And I think Maryland—they're going to be underdogs, but I think they have a much better chance of beating Indiana. And and Michigan State is—they're a very physical team. You know, is thing is he's going to dominate the boards. And I'm not sure. We've seen against physical teams over this year. We've seen Maryland get killed on the glass. Um, so I don't—I'm not sure if Maryland's going to be able to keep up with them in terms of the rebounding battle and the physicality, even though that's at home too. So I think they have a good chance chance of beating Indiana this this Saturday.
2: agree I think that Indiana they definitely have a good chance of beating Indiana is a solid team they're a good team I think they're on the semi on the cusp I think they're getting votes in the poll but realistically I think that it's a strong opportunity for Maryland to win I don't I think Indiana has only won one true road game this season I think that they've lost four of those and won a neutral staple one. I think that's what has has gone on with them this year so I think that Maryland has this opportunity or this unique opportunity with the timing in their schedule to have a home game against a team that hasn't been doing well on the road, that is playing a very relatively solid team, has great um players on it, players who, you know, lead stat categories in the top ten. But I yeah, lead stack lead stat categories in the Big Ten. But ultimately I think that Indiana is a winnable game for Maryland, especially coming off these two games and kind of probably the fight that is going on in the conversations that the fight meaning the um, determination and all that that's going on inside that locker room to really want to separate the team that's going on now the team that's on the court now versus the team that was going on uh, earlier this season
0: if Maryland plays how it did against uh, Rutgers or if even if it did against how Illinois I think they have a really good shot of beating both even I'm not I'm not sure that that's exactly going to happen I think that's A fairly long shot that they go two and zero, even though I think that it is somewhat of a a slim possibility. I would say like ten percent chance they win both, maybe something like that. But I think that Maryland has a a greater chance of beating Michigan State just because of how Michigan State has been a little flip floppy recently with their performances. Uh, They lost to Northwestern, they beat Wisconsin by twelve, and then obviously lose to Illinois. So I'm just gonna bank on the fact that Maryland has a a not Maybe they don't come away with a win against Indiana, but I, I'd bank on the fact that they keep it close and that it's a, a tough fight throughout. It'll probably come down to the final three or four minutes or so. So I, I think that they get a little closer against Michigan State just by just who they have competed with recently. And I think Maryland's lucky to be at home for both of these, especially at this point in the season. If one of these were road matchups, I would for sure tell you that one of them w- would probably be a loss. So let's just. So the next upcoming game is the one against Indiana, and I, we, I guess we can go right into our score predictions. Does someone want to lead us off with score we, predictions?
1: I mean, I guess I can. We just doing Indiana score prediction, not Michigan State.
0: Um, I, I, it's, it's tough because you know you don't know how they come out in this one. And
1: then, yeah. All right. Let's. All right. We'll do just Indiana. Um. You know. I, this is it's hard. I like they have a lot of momentum. They're playing well. They're back at home. Maybe there's some some new found excitement that the students will show up this time around this Saturday. It's I I really haven't even decided as I'm trying to talk through this right now who's going to win the game. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be really close. I you know what I think Maryland wins. Um I think Maryland wins um 68 to 64 and then I think they drop the Michigan State game. That's my prediction.
2: Well I, as I've said, I make my predictions before because otherwise I can't think of them on the spot. And I am one point off of your Sam. I think that, I think that Maryland wins this game just because they need it. I don't think in Indiana, definitely. um, I think Maryland has kind of an edge in the sense of Indiana hasn't been playing that well on the road and not that Maryland has necessarily like lived up to kind of the arena that Xfinity normally is in terms of the fan base but whatever the case may be I think there's a little bit of an edge and I think that Maryland wins 68 to 63
0: okay all right all right enter the uh the pessimist so I think that this is going to be I already said it was going to be a very close game throughout I think it comes down to the final two or three minutes or so and I really I really want to say that Maryland wins but I'm I just don't think that they will so I'm gonna go with Indiana wins 68 to 62. All right. So all the score predictions are in. Right. I'm the only one that has Indiana winning and we got two on Maryland's side. So that'll do it for this week. Uh Stu Studio Times podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next Thursday because that is the new day that we are doing them. So next Thursday, we'll be back with another episode. Thank you so much for listening.